A written transcript of this episode is provided by Starburst. For more information, you can see the show notes. Welcome to Data Mesh Radio with your host, Scott Herleman, sponsored by Starburst. Starburst is a single platform to help you activate all your data, no matter where it lives. Check out our new Data Products for Dummies ebook to learn more about how your organization can utilize data products. To download your free copy, head on over to starburst.io. Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by my company, Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. This is going to be a panel because while I clearly am not shy about talking, I want to give others in the community a voice too. It definitely shouldn't only come from me. We should be hearing from many different people doing this. If you want to participate in a panel, please do get in touch. You can go to datameshunderstanding.com to see some of the other free community-friendly programs and the other learning resources we have. And you can check out our actually quite reasonably priced offerings. So let's hear some fun music and then jump into a quickish summary of what you'll hear about in this panel. Episode 275, a panel, Why Data Mesh Needs Digital and Organizational Transformation. Bottom line up front, what are you going to hear about and learn about in this episode? Guest host Benny Benford, founder and CEO of Datent, a data transformation-focused consultancy and community, and guest of episode 244, facilitated a discussion with Ayulia Varvara, who is an advisory consultant in digital and organizational transformation at ThoughtWorks and guest of episode 268. Nalia Sarbizanova, who is a digitalization manager at DHL and a PhD candidate, as well as guest of a soon-to-be-released episode. And Stefan Zima, data transformation lead at Raffaison Bank International AG, as well as guest of episode 270. As per usual, all guests were only reflecting their own views. The topic for this panel was transformation when it comes to data and data mesh in general, but especially understanding how organizational transformation must play a large part in a data mesh implementation to be successful. And that transformation is not simply making changes, it is making lasting changes. Organizational transformation is a crucial aspect of doing data mesh even if it's not spoken about all that often. And then, as always, I'm just going to share my key takeaways rather than trying to reflect the nuance of each panelist's views individually. So my top eight takeaways, there are more in the show notes if you'd like to kind of review them there. Number one, transformation means changing something. We aren't starting from scratch. You have to consider the starting points, not only the target endpoints, And in data mesh, there isn't really an end either. Every organization's transformational starting point, whether a data mesh transformation or otherwise, will be unique. So you must adjust your transformation journey plan accordingly. Number two, there are so many reasons transformation initiatives, especially data transformations, can fail. But a big one is not preparing for the long-term change necessary to make the the changes actually stick. It's easy to try to make changes, but actually making them to last for the long run is something else entirely. Number three, there needs to be a sense of urgency to drive forward a large-scale, top-down, driven organizational transformation. If there isn't a real business reason, if there isn't kind of a burning need, one where there is a need or at least a strong desire to be addressed in that near term, you're far more likely to lose momentum and sponsorship. And you need lots of momentum and sponsorship for large-scale sustainable transformation. Number four, if you were trying to pitch something like data mesh, speak to real pain points. Just selling the potential benefits instead of solving real, painful, existing challenges is not likely to win you all that many converts. There's a reason painkillers are easier to sell than vitamins. 
Number five, transformation and product thinking have a lot in common. Org transformation is treating the organization as something like a product to improve over time. That means prioritization. You can't take everything on at once. Work with your stakeholders to make progress on what matters most and drive towards that incremental value. Number six, driving data transformation, data mesh or otherwise, will likely take a lot of education. There's a general sense people should be using data for some additional use cases, but really, many aren't thinking of the great ways they could leverage data if they only had the data. Help them find the link between their business priorities and pains and data. Number seven, your business partners don't need to know the particulars of your transformation initiative. Sell them a story. Give them an enticing vision. Why is this worth doing and what is the payoff? Stop taking them on the sausage factory tour against their will. Give them or promise them a wonderful sausage tasting party instead. Finally, number eight, organizational transformation, data or otherwise, only happens when things change, when they actually transform. It sounds obvious, but you really have to get your business partners to engage on your transformation or it won't be as successful and is likely to stall or fail. Trying to change the entire organization from just the data team is daunting at best. You need those people on your side working with you towards that common vision of where you're trying, what you're trying to become, where you're trying to transform towards. Okay, with that summary of my top takeaways, and you can see the show notes for more takeaways if you'd like, but let's go ahead and actually hear from our awesome panelists themselves. everyone and thanks for joining us on this panel discussion on data mesh radio i'm benny benford uh, a few of you will know me from my background i used to be chief data officer at jaguar land rover and now i've set up a startup called Datent, which runs data acceleration programs uh, but let's start off by, with the panel of introducing themselves and i guess if you give it a little bit to your background and how you came across data mesh and why it interests you as a topic uh, if we go around the screen yeah you do you want to go first Yes, yeah, sure. Thank you, Benny. Um, my name is Yulia Varvara, and I am an advisory consultant at ThoughtWorks. Um, I uh, usually deal with topics like operating model, uh, portfolio management, value-driven um, portfolio management, uh, organization transformation. And, well, my first encounter with Data Mesh was uh, um, through my, uh, at the time, colleague, um, Jamak Degani, who wrote the book. Um, and then because I had the chance to uh, um, work in engagements uh, on the data mesh operating model for um, uh, a couple of uh, uh, clients of ThoughtWorks. Um, my background is uh, uh, not at all technical, so I have a very little technical understanding. Um, I studied economics um, and politics and a little bit of law. Um, I worked for a few years in a uh, in telecommunications and uh, in digital transformation uh, in the telco industry as a consultant as well. Thanks, Yulia. A bunch of questions I want to follow up, but let's go around uh, the room first. Uh, Stefan, how about yourself? How how did you come across Data Mesh? Thank you, Benny, and uh, hello to everyone. Happy to be here again in this panel. So welcome again to everybody who tuned in. Um, yeah, my name is Stefan Zima. I'm uh, leading data transformation right now in Ryerson Bank International, so uh, leading Universal Bank in the Central and Eastern European area. And uh, from our perspective, the data mesh came in handy as a development on the market. You know, the sense of urgency of change with high data demand 
data as a strategic element of all our business lines and where we have to get better and have to understand the customers better and get just uh, on the edge of technology and services. Um, the data mesh was testing on the market saying, we're not a silver bullet, but we have a lot of answers in the toolbox. And in this period, uh, when I was still, I was responsible before in the data area for data tribe and uh, data data demand handling mostly. It was a big data ecosystem, like when the data lake came into our house. Colleagues of Yulia were actually with us as well and uh, did the first discoveries and discussions. And, you know, it spread it. It spread it in the opinion of, guys, this sounds actually helpful. Let's dig into And out of this, a bigger change program um, appeared. And I'm very happy and excited that we're on this road and still learning and still crossing bridges that we haven't seen yet. So uh, amazing to exchange today. Brilliant. Thank you, Stefan. And Nelly, do you want to introduce yourself and how you came across DataMesh? Yes, of course, with a pleasure. My name is Nelly. I'm glad to be here again. So I'm working also in the area of digital transformation, previously as a business consultant, now as a digitalization manager at DHL Group. On top of that, I'm also researching in this area. I'm a doctoral candidate in the area of the uh, data-driven architecture for healthcare industry. And I'm doing that in co- in collaboration with Johnson & Johnson. And of course, why data mesh? Uh, I think that it is hard to imagine any uh, data-driven transformation program without data mesh principles. So I'm glad to be here to share my learnings, experience, and have a nice chat with you. Brilliant. Thank you. I'm just going to pick up on to start the conversation on a word you've all used, which is transformation. Um, and actually from yourself, you who's talking about, uh, you worked on op models a lot, which is, which is really interesting. For yourselves, is data transformation a technical thing or an org thing? Are we changing the organization? Or are we changing the data models, you know, from a, a conceptual modeling data model perspective? Are we changing the architecture? What are we transforming? Um, I don't want to be to sound scary, but uh, data mesh is so complex. And I think you all agree with me that uh, even the, the definition coming from the book says that it's a socio-technical uh, approach. So it is in no mean just a um, organi- organization, cultural uh, transformation of a technical one yeah so it's both and it could be more than just the two yeah does everyone agree with that yeah i i would love to jump in because julia you, you you triggered this 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 amazingly i think the biggest thing is of course the cultural change but this is a holistic thing to to take a look at by penny so from that perspective the technology needs to be ready. The the HL mindset needs to be ready. The ownership mindset needs to be ready. The tools need to be ready for self-service. You have to be somewhere on a state of being able to teach everybody the data literacy part that is something you can do yourself, you know, like an end-to-end ecosystem. Um, there is no point in the organization with data or working in business using data where you maybe not want to take a look at, which sounds scary. But it's actually where the fun comes in because you have a lot of requirements, a lot of stakeholders. You have this typical, you know, also human interaction and not like yet another tool. And this is actually where it gets interesting. Interesting. I would like also to add to it. So from my point of view, first point, so it is transformation. We are not uh, starting from scratch and all of our companies or clients, they have some uh, as its situation from which they need to start the journey. And uh, every journey is such an individual, even in the same industry. These approach frameworks are so dependent on the starting point, on the company culture, readiness for change, on their uh, mindset and so on. So uh, regarding the uh, the transformation part. And of course, the data mesh, as already said, it is also a technological framework. And from my point of view, so as it is starts the wording from socio, the wording of the, of the cultural mindset change, organizational te- change is coming first. Only if the community, if the people are accepting and committing to this change, something valuable to the company could happen. 
And so definitely the second part, technological, also very important, and it should be ready for that. I've not thought about the word transformation like that before, even though I use it a lot. It's a very good point. If you mention transformation, you've got a starting point. But there's something I often said to people who were nervous about some of the concepts of data mesh and everyone working with data, though, was that it's where we are already. It's just everyone's working with data in Excel and PowerPoint if they're not working all the proper systems. So it's improving from there. The, the challenge, though, that comes with this is a phrase um, that, that I put a lot of value in, which is, if everything is important, nothing is important. So if we say that everything needs to change and data mesh is everything, then practically, where do we get started? You can't do everything. How, how do you get focus when it is such an overarching concept? How do you identify where to start and where to focus? So I think that it is a very challenging point. So it depends, um, from my point of view, it depends from where the uh, data mesh strategy is coming from. So different companies have different approaches how they integrate these principles into, into their frameworks. For some companies, it is coming from the global business strategy, and it is said that so we are going uh, with the digitalization strategy and data mesh as part of it. So it is one way. From other companies, it is coming from the data strategy or from some more technical teams. So it impacts a lot how it will build up. And I have seen different different frameworks where it it has a totally different focus, even within the same organization, within within the same company. So one part of the company could start from the IT teams, where uh, they firstly develop uh, foc- uh, they put their focus on which technology will support them to build this uh, this framework and. The other part of the organization start from the business part and saying that we are starting with the data domains. We are starting defining which data is the most valuable for them and what will be their data products and what is the definition of the data products. So it depends from my point of view very much on, on the where it comes from and what is the global approach. Really interesting. Is anyone else anything? Anyone else got something to add to that in terms of how you get started and really narrow down on the first couple of changes you do? Yeah, so I would uh, only confirm uh, what what uh, Nelly has already said. Um, in my experience uh, as well, um, the the most of the times uh, the sparkle comes even from a data team who has a lot of pain points. Uh, in doing their jobs, their daily jobs, and see this new approach and uh, start thinking that uh, um, uh, that would make their life better and it would also um, help their company. Um, so uh, if we think of this, of a, of a bottom-up approach and then uh, uh, cross over to, to the other one, the, the more top-down Starting uh, uh, from the from the corporate strategy that uh, understood that needs to uh, do something in terms of data in order to uh, um, um, uh, make their organization being data driven or uh, and consider the data mesh approach of one possibility of one value hypothesis of how to get there. Um, the approaches might be different, right? Um, when you have the top executive support to to uh, uh, go uh, uh, both horizontally and vertically in the organization to uh, uh, start this transformation, you have a completely different setup than um, um, uh, when you start at the data team uh, down there in organization having to convince everybody about what needs to be done. Um, So the focus points will definitely be different and the approaches are going to be different. Stefan? I, I, I just jumped on the question as well because I really like it, but I'm sorry I dropped for one second with a technical issue here. But the thing is um, it, that uh, the Nelly said it so nicely. It's a transformation, so you have a starting point. This means the sense of urgency piles up with, let's say, data demands get bigger. People get starting to be more interested in using data with better tools like Power BI or whatever is helping in business to make uh, decisions, to make decision-making and, and all these things. 
the term of being a data-driven organization is almost everywhere used because it sounds good, right? It gives a good promise. But what does it mean? It can mean that you have a lot of excels or you really have a real-time super fluctuating data fabric where everything is accessible. You have to decide for yourself. So in our case, when I can say this is it piled up on we were not able to improve as fast as necessary to come up with solutions for all the pain points that were in- endeavored while the data demands increased. So you always like try to make the things better. Um, I'm using the term time to data a lot because it's like, how long does it take for a data consumer to get hands on the data? And I'm working in a bank, right? We have bank secrecy. We have super uh, important uh, data from clients that needs to be protected. We cannot just use it for, I don't know, I can take it to my grandmother's funeral just to show some nice statistics. We are very strict on this. We have to be super compliant. So it was very hard for the upcoming advanced analytics, AI topics, all this, what needs big data to get um, there are things done in time. And uh, if you have this business priority and pressure, the sense of urgency increases, and then you suddenly have this top management buy-in, not only from the people that build it up where it cooks from bottom up, because there's where the ideas come from, right? People are hungry for data, people want to do a use case, and they are blocked, they complain, it all goes up. And suddenly, the top management understands, hey, guys, we have to put priority here. We have to, you know, also put this in our goals. We have to really learn. We have to upskill. We have to support this journey. And suddenly, you have things on the table like data mesh. Because this is where on Convolute, you think that you can tackle most of the pain points with some kind of organizational structural changes. And this is where, how it develops with us. And I think this is where a lot of uh, organizations also are having the situation, look around and look where you are. Maybe data mesh is the next step, but you're working still on the prerequisites to get there. But I'm sure you are somewhere on this journey. Because if not, I think you will not be there as a company in five years at all. So some, somewhere, somewhere you should be, right? I love the addition of an existential threat. And, uh, <laughs> um, if you don't change, you are you're going to get busted in this world. Um, just a, a thought to add: we're all data people, so I love the fact that you know, Stefan, you both use the word pain point quite a lot because that then actually gives you some focus. There's something you're trying to solve. Is there a way to prioritize which pain points you solve first? And given this is a long journey, and stakeholders, uh, how do I put this? Stakeholders' attention is limited in many organizations. You might risk losing them along the journey. Is there a way to show value as you're going along the journey to keep stakeholders invested and keep going, okay, this is the right direction. We know we're making progress. Has anyone got any tips to share on either of those things? I had one good experience with one of the data fabric, data mesh uh, frameworks that we have implemented where we started with the interview or questionnaire to people, to business actually, what are the uh, pain points? So actually it was in the scope of the uh, getting input and analysis and prerequisites for the digital transformation strategy. And there we asked just normal business people to respond for two easy questions. What should be in the in the digital transformation program, and uh, what it should enable, and with which means it should be executed? And uh, so it was like a broad, broad uh, survey where a lot of people, just normal uh, business representatives, could reply and could uh, could also highlight the pain points, and uh, based on that. First of all, they got uh, uh, the possibility to contribute to the to the whole strategy. So based on these replies, we got more than 200 replies with the ideas what should be there, which pain points they have, and more than 90 of that was related to data. So we understand how much the value of data in the whole program uh, uh, was. And based on that, so uh, first we could achieve that business was engaged in the f- creation of the framework. It is the first point. And the second point into the uh, implementation of the framework. So because we were targeted to solve the uh, pain points and not just to to take some uh, mainstream concepts like, I don't know, data fabric, data mesh or something and saying that we are a cool organization, we are implementing that. So we were focused directly to to solve what our business dedicated for us. 
effectively crowdsourcing the challenge. Yeah, I, I absolutely uh, love what Nelly said. Uh, uh, if I'm allowed to to comment on that, because this is actually exactly the job that I'm doing in such data mesh implementations or transformation. Um, they, this would be my first part of the job involving the, the business stakeholders and trying to understand the business goals that they need to achieve, the thing that uh, uh, they signed off for doing and would eventually also count in their performance review at the end of the year, right? So these people need to achieve some outcomes. And um, uh, we we use a, a, an entire methodology of uh, trying to understand how the, uh, the strategy of the company uh, cascades down to the work that needs to be done and uh, which uh, of these uh, of this work is related to data and how the uh, how how the, me- uh, the uh, these data initiatives will actually contribute to the to real to the realization, to reaching the business goals by using uh, uh, metric structures, measures of success, and so on. So um, we are trying to not let things um, go by chance, yeah, e- even to to um, uh, make possible prioritization of initiative based on the value contribution, but also on complexity and so on. Really interesting. I, I want to come back to that metric question, but I think um, Stefan, you're about to say something. No, I just wanted to say I'm amazed because I learned now how it's done, you know, in method and there's already concept with the colleagues and they already have so much experience on, on how to do this. Because I wanted to say, Benny, I see you know what you're talking about. You put the finger indirectly in the wound and you say exactly like this is an issue, right? Like how to get the priority straight and I'm fully with you here. And now I got some cool tips because my answer would have been, it, it depends, it like depends as hell. Uh, what uh, what your business has to agree upon to give you as a data person the guidance because it's not up to the data team to make these decisions for business. There must be, as we just heard, metrics of business value that is created with this data. There must be metrics of success criteria and of achievements. OKRs with a certain ambition level that you say, when we don't reach a certain ambition, we are not where we want to be. Then it's maybe some, I don't know, isolated success story, a quick win as it's often called but not a sustainable improvement of what we really want to change. And for sure, not a bold move into a certain direction. So I really like what we just heard about how to get there. And in our case, I can only tell you that we try to involve the business lines here to bring them in one in one room. You know, like uh, you put everybody who uh, has a saying in the product in the same room, imagine them as dogs, you throw a bone into the room, close the door, and in 10 minutes you take a look in the room and see who has the bone. They made it among them, right? Like it's not on me to decide for them. Uh, I will follow whatever the business priorities are. I love that. That's like a fight club approach. Let's see. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the the phrase I sometimes use. I think a successful data leader is is the ultimate servant leader. You you're not there to do. You're there to enable. And therefore, I love the approach, Dali. It's the same approach that I took, which is to survey the organization, ask them, get the information on what needs to be done, um, and then you've got some data to respond to. But you know, I'm going to come back to your point because I'm really interested. You've mentioned metrics. We're, again, with data people measuring progress, what types of metric have you found to be successful? Um, I don't want to you give you the 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 common consultant uh, answer. I think you all know it. It depends. <laughs> oh, but it really does. It really does in these circumstances, based on the uh, depending on the level at you at which you're talking to. W- when we talk to the business people and starting uh, 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 discussing the business goals, the the business outcomes, we would usually use um, customer value metrics, right? Why? Uh, trying to answer the question, why do we need to do certain things? What is that we need? What is the value that we want to create for for our uh, customers? And um, um, uh, these would be the the main metrics at the higher level. Uh, having business uh, metrics as guardrails or proxies in. So we, if we say uh, uh, we want to enhance customer satisfaction, we can only um, uh, look at uh, other metrics like uh, market share or revenue or I don't know profitability to see if 
this uh, uh, if the, the uh, we, we we achieve the goal because no matter how happy your customer is, if you if the business go goes down, then uh, uh, you're not on the good uh, track. Um, and these metrics cascade, uh, becoming uh, very, very operational towards the um, uh, when it gets closer to the work to be done. Um, um, so even I, I would uh, give an example by uh, introducing already a, a, a term that has not been used uh, uh, by now related to data mesh, data product level, right? This is. Uh, uh, could incorporate operational or quali data quality uh, uh, metrics, but also a usability metrics, right? Like um, adoption and so on. So it, it's a full range um, of metrics cascading from more uh, landing indicators at the top towards more leading indicators and operational metrics to uh, to the to the base. Of the Julia, Betty, is it allowed to, to ask immediately a curiosity question on this? Yes. Because I think this is a very interesting statement and I, I want to share some uh, idea that I would love to hear the feedback of this round because I, I think we have very bright people here. We, 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 you said data product level and for example, we said, you know, at the beginning when you grow use case by use case and you let, you let the implementation flow, we said, you know what, let's trip number of data products, but not about number of data products because a number is good, like a high number shows immediately that it's a good thing. But when I have a data product, I know what the quality of this data product is. Because a data product, according to Mesh, only is one if I have an owner with the right mindset who has the resources, who can really maintain the quality, who can guarantee the quality, who follows a data contract and can give me reliably a data set with a value. If it's just another data set without this criteria, it's not a data product. So we were very proud of having such data sets in, in, in higher number. Uh, do you see this or do, is this crowd? I'm not looking here on anybody. It's also Nelly. We would be interested in what you say. Do you think it's a good metric? So is the question to Nelly. Was it? To everyone, to everyone. Thanks for it. I'm super curious. I think usage is a really good metric. I think it's, it's the easiest proxy for value. Um, it's not perfect because maybe controversial opinion coming up here not all teams are high performing teams so there are going to be some teams in an organization which love information and data but aren't using it for value and so you can have lots of usage of a data product and no business value uh, but i almost think that's someone else's challenge that's a management challenge the data team have done their role of supplying a team with data and uh, if a team's not delivering value that's a different challenge but it's a it's a good proxy um, I don't know what everyone else thinks. Is usage, are those good proxies for value? I, I would personally say so. Um, if we think that, um, uh, if we take an example and say, okay, we have at the moment um, 100 uh, data products, but uh, only two or three of them are being used at the moment. Um, so th in that case, the number of the data product is not relevant anymore. And Effen's oh. now saying, I think if I understand correct, you don't have hundreds of data products. You have no, no, no. And we also have the metrics of how often they're used and for how many use cases. So I, I really like the direction. I just really wanted to, to you know, trigger a little bit of challenge for us a little mm -hmm. bit here. Right so it is a really challenging question, I would say, from my point of view. Uh, but I also would like to support the idea of Stefan's that with the with the core principles of the data mesh, we are generating transparency about our data. And it is already very valuable thing that we are doing. So transparency about what are the most valuable data in our company, and it could be uh, managed as a data product. And the second point, we're also defining the ownership. It is also the second that will generate the future value for this data product as it will be managed based on some principles and on some quality requirements. And we know that uh, different data products require totally different uh, uh, quality requirements. So there are a lot of examples how we could say that the same data 
based on their different purposes, should have different quality standards. Stefan, you are from the banking industry. Julia, you are from the pharmaceutical experience. Uh, and you especially know in such a regulative and where the data privacy is very important uh, topic. So what is it uh, the data quality requirements sometimes could be and how different are they? So uh, at least this point, like bring up the transparency and give the ownership. It is already a huge value. Sometimes it is difficult to build up the uh, the metrics, how to measure it. Uh, but so during the time as the framework established, we could see the overall value. I think it's important to, tr I agree from just, from metadata, from usage, it's impossible to assert value perfectly. But I think it's the responsibility of the data team to try and get other data sets which can help you to do that. The most powerful question I found in terms of the survey was very, very simple. Uh, what do you use data for in your area of the business? And the options on the drop down were we don't, of course, very, very few people said that. Uh, we use data for reporting. We use data to improve revenue, we use data to reduce costs, or we use data to improve customer experience. And eventually we added one around risk. I've done this with a few organizations now. And prior to starting a journey towards data culture, my, my discovery is the majority of people respond, we use data for reporting, which is shocking because they don't know what they're using it for. There's no purpose. So uh, and that I think that then becomes the next piece is can you can you identify a purpose and educate the organization that data should be about value, but also start to identify the purpose of the data products, and then you've got a better proxy for value if they're being used for a high value purpose. Um, I don't know if anyone has any thoughts on that or um, uh, yeah, any experience in, in trying to measure value in that. Um, I would try to to put it into a, a little bit of a different perspective um, because we started talking about data products and th there are some concepts that come together with it or some things that need to be done in order to make sure that that particular data or data set becomes a data product. Um, uh, but if only thinking of the word product and what a product organization is um, in my experience some some um, uh, conditions need to be met it has to have a, a, a customer focus first to have a focus on use on usage as, as well to to be built because somebody needs it because somebody it brings value to somebody um, uh, then, it's a product which means it has a life cycle and it needs to be owned over the entire life cycle. So the, uh, for that, you need to have a stable cross-functional team that owns that data product from the idea to the commissioning when, when it's not needed anymore. And you need to fund that team. So it's you are talking about the money that we invest in the uh, uh, setting up a team with the lots of capabilities, important capabilities. So it's um, uh, then all this complexity makes you think very seriously about the sense uh, of the existence of a certain data product. Yeah, you, you, uh, it's a, it's a, it's an entire. Um, uh, uh, line of thinking behind uh, how to prioritize what you're doing first based on the uh, um, uh, on what you have at your disposals and having to choose the things that really bring you most of the value for for the business for the business goal that you try to achieve and I'm not sure that what I've just said uh, makes sense in that in that context but that that was the main idea. Uh, I, I love I love the line of thought. It's um, the question I guess it asks me is, do products need a price? So in many organizations, data teams are, and I think it's a problem. They're free. Anyone can ask them to do things. 
do you need to have a price for to have it as a product? And Stefan, I saw you respond straight away. So <laughs> and I want I wanted to like on Julia immediately, but you but you nailed it again. Um that's that's for me the the thing that breaks my head is the FinOps part, right? Like really the transparency of give a paper product the value. I don't want to speak about price because it's like left pocket, right pocket within an organization, but there should be an incentive for anybody who publishes a high quality data product and the incentive should be linked to, yes, money in the end, like uh, some, some, this data product I give out to, I don't know how many users, they create so much value for the organization. They sell more, they save more, they, I don't know how they make the organizational better in this and uh, they should be part of the story. So whatever is earned, whatever is created, whatever is saved, this should be somehow possible to attribute it to those who put money and effort in creating this high, high usable data product. And uh, this is something, for example, where we are just at the beginning thinking of, okay, we have infrastructure cost, we have cloud cost, we have for sure resources around it, but this is not enough. We, we, we need to also be, 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 let's say, quantified to track the value to really be sure what money it makes, what, what, what is the value chain from the production to the consumption. And I tell you, this is a high political game because who wants to be transparent about their cost and the processes when it comes to money and uh, who likes to share in the end? So we have, and we said this in the very beginning of this call, an organizational cultural change. It, instead of sitting on the treasure that you have and please don't touch it, you have to be proud and incentivized of publish things. But for this, you have to create the framework. And this value, or you called it price, should be there, but I also don't know yet how to get there, honestly. I'm super happy if maybe... Maybe we have some ideas, but otherwise we're trying to maybe we start with the infrastructure code. We start simple, right? We start with the FinOps around cloud and, and, and platforms and try to get forward. Got some ideas, but go to the room first. Does anyone have any ideas on, on how you put the value on this? So, John, so I, I got forced into the position because uh, at the time I thought it was ridiculous, but it, it was forcing me down a good learning curve. The sponsor that we had for the data team in my prior role, um, wanted value. So he set the objective that for every member of the data team, we had to achieve a million pound of benefit for the organization per year, one million pound per person per year. Uh, and that ended up with, a, a, you know, to start with, we thought it was impossible. It was achieved, but the we ended up creating something that I refer to now as a data product value assessment. Prior to, in the same way as you've got a technical design authority that you go through before you start products, there was a data product value assessment you went through before you create a data product that asked a bunch of questions, you know, four main categories. Do we understand the context that we're working in? What, what's the business environment? What's the challenge? Do we understand uh, what type of data product might be needed and what a minimum might be? What's the minimum thing we could do with data to improve a business outcome? Do we understand the business decision that this data product would help support? Because if it's not supporting a decision, then there's no value. And what business change might be needed to make that decision? I'll give an example. And then the, the fourth one, which was crucial, do we understand how we would measure value of that decision? And if we didn't understand all of those things, we couldn't proceed and, and had a look at value. And sometimes it's really, really hard to answer those questions. The um, An example of, of one a project that maybe a lot of people would recognize that was hard to associate with value when you went through that was a forecasting project. So to forecast the, the vo sales volume of the organization sounds very, very good. And uh, the data science team went through a lot of iterations, came up with a forecasting model, and it was shown to be more accurate than the business planning model. So what? Unless you've got someone making a decision which creates value from that forecast, utterly pointless. And it felt a little bit like a laser for a while, a brilliant invention with no purpose, until eventually it was used to help manage stock. And you know, by having a more accurate view of, of sales, you could control some of your production decisions, which means you could control stock, which meant, meant you had less vehicles, went, went obsolete, and you saved money there. But, but it was very, very hard. And that taught, that taught us the lesson that unless you have a process prior to starting work to say which business decision is this going to be used on? Is the business decision owner involved in the data product? Have they agreed they're going to use it? Then, then we ended up not being able to start projects without that type of process. 
And then there was another process to try and measure value of the decision that came out. But it was for us very, a very steep learning curve, but quite useful process, process to go through. I think that it is really a great idea, Benny, regarding the, so from my point of view, the overall existence of the design authority that somehow approves uh, data products to be worked on them and to be invested in them. And also, so some companies not only have like design authority, also the technical authority or architecture authority who are making like data products certified, but for both of the types of authorities, there should be clear, I don't know, questions, principles, which, uh, which uh, features it should fulfill or match. And it will help a lot to make really the return on investment on the expected high level and really somehow confirm that we really generate value for the company on, on our data product approach and framework. It's like a part of the playbook, right? So you have a certain guidance and rule set to get forward. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And the other thing I find helpful is if you're not the one measuring value, there's a big difference between the data leader going, look, my team's delivered... 7 million pounds benefit or the data leader going finance have said that my team delivered 7 million pounds benefit give someone else the responsibility say uh we want to be responsible i want your help to measure what my team's achieving and then that's powerful that's really really powerful change to make and just kind of going back to an earlier uh, point uh, i think it was um i think i forgot to said this now i think it might have been you yulia or, or uh, that said uh, transformation, actually, Nelly, I think it was, the transformation, you know, it's a transformation, so there's a start. Is there an end? Or is, if if there is no end, is this, a, is transformation the right word? Because a transformation does finish. Continual improvement doesn't finish, that's always happening. But the transformations should finish. Uh, so is there an end? Well, a really good point. So from my point of view, when we are starting transformation journey, definitely we should envision some future future state. Without that, it will be totally difficult even to start with something and to define your first measures, actions, structures, and so on. But definitely it is a journey. It is continuous journey uh, that... At the beginning, we don't know what will be the end point. What will be, because today, uh, so even in a couple of days, the technology will evolve. Our business ecosystem will evolve. Our business needs will change. And based on that, the most important thing to build up some framework method or technology, how we will respond to these changes and how will we, we will evolve during this maturity journey of our uh, digital transformation, data-driven transformation, or, or some, some ways of transformation. So I think that uh, to give these tools for people to uh, uh, naturally evolve in this journey and to be able to react to these changes in technology and the in the business area i would also add something um, um there's a quote for famous quote i don't know where it's coming from saying that the change is actually the single constant right and um in my experience that what companies need to do is to prepare themselves to face change and disruption um, so these would be the fitness fitness functions that um, uh, are are to be followed to to make yourself able to to answer to the changes coming from the uh, from the outside. That's why we are talking now about uh, uh, um, uh, preparing the organization not only from a technical point of view but also from a cultural point of view. And um, uh, so. You, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow in a year or two, what chat GPT or any other tool is going to, to uh, conquer the market. What you need to make sure is that you're 
processes, your company, your people are there ready uh, um, uh, and able to to deal with this new situation. Um, so, yeah, transformation depends. But, uh, uh, it it doesn't really end in the sense that uh, there will always be something new, as Nelly said. Um, but we could have milestones over on the journey, saying my my organization is now fit to to run the marathon. Or maybe the description you just gave just gives an example of what an end might be as well, because you said it's at the point where the organization can respond to changes. I think most people would say today their organization was not ready for the arrival of ChatGPT and AI. But if we could imagine creating an organization that was ready to respond to those types of changes, maybe maybe that's because the, otherwise it feels... Can we call it a transformation if there's no end? It's just a it's just a journey. I don't know. Stefan, what's your thoughts on this? So first I think I think a lot of people think they are ready for ChatGPT, but then they find out they need high data quality to put in, otherwise there's garbage coming out, right? So we're back to the data transformation. No, I'm just joking. I think this is exactly what the colleague said. Uh, the target state of your transformation where you go is just the next starting point for the next whatever change coming. So you just go in another target state and from there you take it further and from there you take it further and you learn and you develop and you are on an evolution. I, I seldomly think that these things are revolutionary that much because you come from somewhere, you have you have a certain prerequisite and skills already in the house. Uh, revolution normally is way more disruptive than a big corporation normally, normally does. But uh, I don't think that the transformation ends in that case. So I'm also thinking that what we're doing is a many, many years journey and uh, in a few years, maybe we don't even talk about data mesh itself anymore. It's still about the same things, right? But maybe it already has another term. Maybe it has another title. Maybe it has another shape to it. Maybe another color. Because we learned that on the hype cycle that often, for example, Gartner shares, um, as soon as data mesh arrives in whatever form in your organization, you call it differently, but you took the principles out of it. And I think this is when we will have then another consulting term to follow. But for me, it's more about the things that are behind and the activities that are behind and uh, less about the books that are written um, because this is this is this happened very fast. Um, there's the same with the HR transformation. If we wouldn't have an HR transformation for so many years and are still in it, you know, like still shaping product ownership, still shaping end-to-end um, -end collaboration in a cross-functional matter and still learning on this, um, we would not even be by far ready to talk about data literacy and self-service. So um, you have to find your your way in this whole data ecosystem, what is, re what is relevant, suitable, and effective for you. And then you also know what your target state is, and uh, then you measure it, and then you know where your end point is, and then you start from scratch with the next circle of change. So to, to pick up on that, that are any of you working towards endpoints? Because I think an endpoint, even though you know the journey doesn't finish, an endpoint really helps with driving change. It's even if it's a simplification. In fact, in my experience, it almost always has to be a simplification to explain the story to people. But it, it helps with driving change. A simple uh, story I used in my last role was, and this is a massive simplification. In the '90s, we rolled out computers, and in the '20s, we need to finish rolling out the cloud and make, get everyone from working on a desktop, which started in the 90s, to now working on a cloud so they can be connected. And that, that simple, massive simplification really helps with uh, accelerating change, getting people to move faster, et cetera, et cetera. Well, what endpoints or, or, or stories do you use to help really drive change and speed progress up? Mostly we work with impact, if, if I may just throw it into the, into the, the room. It's not about like if I have reached a certain KPI, I'm done. This is not the way how it goes. It's rather reaching a state where most of the KPIs are met because we had an impact. We impacted the way how it how data is used. We in, impacted the, the the way how easy it is to get access to data. We impacted the way how fast we can enable new use cases and new prototyping and new ideas and new innovation. And with this, the rest should the rest should just you know continuously follow. And this you then monitor, and then when you reach this, you 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 put more ambition on it, and you put the next impact there. And when you so this is really an evolution that goes on. To be honest, okay. 
Anyone else? Is there any way you're describing endpoints or stage gates, places you want to get to? Um, I think so. For instance, uh, I think you are all familiar with maturity assessment and models. Um, sometimes uh, they they can help in the in the way that they have uh, they it, uh, they they uh, create a clear image of the as is. What would be the most realistic future point that you could reach? And you start doing the steps towards that first realistic target point, right? Envisioning that maybe in in the uh, um, longer future uh, you you might need to to step uh, to the next level. Um, so I, I would I would. Because as a consultant, when you go to a client and you tell him you, you need to change everything, you you lost it. You you lost the client. It, it it's really scary, right? So it has to happen step by step. It has to happen iteratively. Um, it's just setting goal, achievable goals, challenging but achievable goals, reaching those goals, or monitoring. Uh, 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 the, the work that's being done at all steps to make sure that the value hypothesis that you started from is correct or false so that you can stop the, the certain thing you started and not fall into that um, fallen, um, uh, uh, sunk uh, cost fallacy um, trap um, and trying to find another idea uh, of what would be more helpful for you to get where you want to go. And Nelly, yourself, any views on this? So from my point of view, uh, I would say that uh, the end point, it is difficult to say for, from here. It is more about the journey. But regarding the impact, it was a very good point uh, from Stefan. So uh Based on my experience, one of the use cases that I s supported, we always tried uh, to make our strategy or framework very actionable, measure, measurable, and adjustable. And based on that, so we decided that our data products on the lowest level, on the data product level, we always define which measures we are going to implement uh, to improve this data product, to evolve this product. And that is already the measure of impact we are doing for the single, I don't know, business unit, single data domain, where they feel that some target is achieved and some impact is already delivered. So from my point of view, even to bring that uh, structures and frameworks where we can uh, continuously with direct milestones improved every single data product for uh, business units. It is already uh, already some target that it could could be could be could be highlighted as a achieved milestone. There's a lot of in all three answers. There's a lot of focus on uh, impact measurement, um, which I think is really important to be able to, to show progress. We're almost at time, and there's a question I always love to finish these things off. We've all been doing this in some guise or other for a few years now. For those listeners who are just getting started and have just come across the concept of data mesh, maybe just moved into a role where they can drive a bit more change in their organizations, what advice would you give to yourself who's just starting the journey now? What mistakes have you learned from and that maybe, you know, your advice you could help people avoid those mistakes and move move faster? I would I would say um, so my advice would be to take into consideration that um, it's it's a lot of work that needs to be done on multiple on multiple planes, and a, a very good thinking needs to be put in before making the decision of starting and considering all the options um, and all the implications. Um, just make a, 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 this insurance that 
data mesh is the best approach for for your company. And you, if you ha- you have have all the resources or and all the res- the the support to 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 make it happen, and you have the time to do it as well. Thank you, Ellie or Stefan. Any any thoughts you'd share? So for the pleasure. So I would say that one of very important things it is to talk with people, to talk with business. What are the pain points, what are the needs, and also to talk with people because we are, most of us are working in the big organizations and there are a lot of ongoing initiatives, ongoing projects, collaborate with them to understand because your your initiative, your project will not be the only one. You need to integrate into the enterprise architecture, into the whole ecosystem of the company, and to make it with the most value, you need to collaborate with all of them. So it is the first my big learning that I got from it and would advise. So the second, get people engaged. And get people engaged, it is, I'm also Referring back to my first point, to understand people needs, if you are serving with this framework, the needs uh, of the whole organization and the other business units. So you need uh, to uh, to implement their ideas, their thoughts and needs. And in that way, they will collaborate with you. They will contribute to the data mesh or data transformation. Uh, and the third point that I would like to highlight, it is not to be stuck in stuck in one concept. So saying this is data mesh and we are implementing all as it is written here. No. So you need to assess, evaluate different concepts, what would be helpful and design the best fitting one for your company, because it is very complex uh, ecosystem and area where every so every type of the concepts could be valuable so it is it would be the final advice well some advice there but also grace (laughs) for the heart of data mesh which is don't be a silo this is a group thing and stefan how about yourself I couldn't say it better as, as Nelly just did. Um, so those who still listen after we had existential threat changes inevitable. It's in which work we have to involve everybody. It never ends, right? If if some people still are tuning in and are brave and, and, and motivated, no, guys, I, I really can only tell you this is exactly what Nelly said. Um, get your people into the boat, find these pinpoints to get the motivation that you are running in the same direction because you have this need. Find what is suitable for your organization and then just be brave and start somewhere. You get your hands dirty, you get uh, to the first data products, you will cross the bridges when you get there and you will evolve according to your individual needs and individual organization. So don't be scared of that. This is something that is actually very much fun and it helps the organization a lot. So I really just can't tell you if we if you hear such threatening comments, it's mostly chokingly meant because it's just where every... Every big change, of course, uh, is uh, is exciting. And in this sense, uh, I just uh, encourage everybody out there, if you have questions, uh, and they said, this was also said, just ask people. We all do not have all the answers, but some people have experiences and can share. So I think together in such communities, also as this data mesh radio, this is where you'll find help. So don't be scared. Thanks, Stefan. I think that's an awesome note to finish on. Um, just get started. Change does not happen from planning and have fun. Innovation does not happen unless you're having fun. This this should be fun. Brilliant. Thank you, Nelly, Yulia, and Stefan for your time. This has been a really, really interesting discussion. Thank you. Thank you, Benny, for a great moderation. Thank you, people. Thank you, too. I'd again like to thank our participants today, our wonderful facilitator, Benny Benford, who's the founder and CEO of Datent, a data transformation-focused consultancy and community the guest of episode 244, as well as our panelists, Julia Varvara, who is an advisory consultant in digital and organizational transformation at ThoughtWorks, and guest of episode 268, Nalia Zanova, who is a digitalization manager at DHL and a PhD candidate. She's a guest of a soon-to-be-released episode. And Stefan Zima, who is a data transformation lead at Raffaison Bank International AG and guest of episode 270. You can find a link to their LinkedIn in the show notes as per usual. Thank you.
Panels really are my favorite. And no, it's not just because I don't have to do the hard work. I, I swear. They give you a chance to hear from folks entirely devoid of my own views, which I think is crucial in our learning journey to figure out how to do data mesh well. Hopefully this one was super useful for you. Please do consider getting in touch with guests from the show. Almost all guests have said that they'd really love people to reach out. Data Mesh Radio is again provided by Data Mesh Understanding and is produced and usually hosted by, you know, except for these panels, by me, Scott Herleman. Do check out our website, datameshunderstanding.com, for more information. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by our offerings and some of the free programs out there. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And with that, let's hear that funky outro music. Thank mm-hmm. you.